Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth, and welcome to Get Well Soon. On today's show, I am very excited to welcome a friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Peter Kahn, in a discussion about healing brain fog, memory loss, and brain-related symptoms from a neurometabolic approach. Dr. Peter Kahn is a board-certified chiropractic neurologist through the American Chiropractic Neurology Board. He is a fellow of the American Association of Integrative Medicine. He is certified in functional medicine and has extensive training in the management of autoimmune disease and thyroid disorders. Dr. Khan treats patients and chronic conditions using a unique approach that he created called neurometabolic integration, which merges the latest research in functional neurology and functional medicine. Patients from across the country have come to seek out his holistic approach that is changing the lives of those suffering from chronic conditions. Dr. Khan graduated with honors from California State University at Pomona with a bachelor's in exercise physiology, and a minor in nutrition. He has been a certified personal trainer through the American College of Sports Medicine, American Council on Exercise, and a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the National Strength and Conditioning Association. He is certified in applied kinesiology and is a certified gluten practitioner. He received his Doctor of Chiropractic degree from Southern California University of Health Sciences. Since graduating, Dr. Khan has dedicated his practice to helping people with chronic conditions that have not responded well to other treatments or who have not met their recovery goals using other methods. Born in Taiwan and immigrated to America at the age of 13, Dr. Khan has a deep appreciation of the Eastern wisdom and Western advances in natural health care. He believes in the God-given ability of the body to heal and regulate itself and that the body, mind, and spirit must be in alignment for healing to take place. It is his faith in God that gives him the passion and commitment to help patients with chronic pain find hope and healing. Dr. Khan has been in practice since 2002, has started several successful practices in California and Arizona, and served thousands of patients. He currently lives in Gilbert, Arizona with his wife and their four children. Dr. Khan regularly consults with other physicians on the methods that he uses. Dr. Peter Kahn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm just so excited to have this discussion today. Now, I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting you at a conference um, where you spent just a few minutes with me assessing the damage that was done to my brain from having been struck by lightning. And so you did some neurological tests and gave me some exercises to do to help strengthen and to heal my brain. And I was just really impressed with your methods with your knowledge, with the solutions for the damage that was done. Um, and, and I have since seen improvements in my balance, my memory, my coordination. Um, but I was imp impressed with the fact that you did not recommend a brain-altering drug, nor did you tell me that my condition was beyond help. So you provided just practical solutions that, to me, were incredibly helpful. So I wanted to thank you for that. And also just to provide for listeners an example of the kind of work that you do um, for anyone who might just be seeking the kind of help that you provide. So thanks again, Peter. I appreciate it. 
Oh, thank you so much, Meg, for your kind words. And, you know, it's all about um, practicality, right? So, mm, you know, mm-hmm. you can go to doctors and they give you some prescription and there's a time and place for that. But when it doesn't mm-hmm. work, what do you do? So yeah. and with brain, you know, the good, the good thing about it is so adaptable and there's so many things you can do to it. And I feel like mm-hmm. uh, most people just didn't know there was an option. And hopefully mm-hmm. through today's podcast, we can kind of give them some exercise they can do on their own and give them more resources if they need to find someone locally also. Perfect. That's really fantastic. Um, yeah, that was something that really opened my eyes when I met you and learned about what you do. Um, is that there are a lot more resources out there when it comes to neurological issues. But, you know, since the brain is the master computer of the body, I, there's nothing that isn't brain related ultimately, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it really, it, it truly is. And it, it, it integrates every function and every function integrates with it. So, yeah, it's going to have wide, wide ranging effects if it's not working. Yeah. OK. Now, OK, so today's topic, of course, we're talking about um, brain symptoms. Uh, what are some yeah. brain symptoms that people might need to pay attention to? Well, you know, uh, common brain symptoms people complain about when they come in to see me, usually they say they have brain fog. Uh, memory mm-hmm. loss, uh, usually short-term memory loss. You know, you may walk into a room, you forget why you walk in there in the first place. <laughs> yes. or you, Yeah. And you, yeah. Or you need a list for everything. You know, you forget mm-hmm. names easily. Uh, some people may have inability to concentrate. They feel like they have ADHD where they didn't have it mm-hmm. as a child, but now they all of a sudden they're developing that. Uh, some mm. people may have trouble getting the words out. You know, they're saying something. They say, uh, uh, you know, I know that word, but they just can't spit mm-hmm. it out. It's called word right. loss. Uh, you now, some people word have loss, vertigo. Okay. Yeah, and, and some people have vertigo mm-hmm. and balance issues, which is a whole other animal. So, you know, mm-hmm. w- with these symptoms, though, like, for example, brain fog, let's just take that one. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. actually not an ICD-9 diagnosis code for brain fog. Like, if you go to your medical doctor or mm-hmm. neurologist and you tell them that you have brain fog, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's really nothing that they can give you or test you mm-hmm. for it. Or, or a drug that'll fix brain fog. Like they, they just don't mm-hmm. even recognize that entity, but it's something that we hear all the time. Yeah. Um, so really, you know, we need to look outside of the medical box for some of these issues. Okay, so in speaking of brain fog, because that's uh, loosely defined, it's you just, you feel like you're walking through a fog, you're sort of in a daze and you can't kind of collect your thoughts and focus and all of those things. I, and I know this from having had fibromyalgia um, and chronic fatigue syndrome and those, that was a big piece of it. So what kind of things do you recommend to your patients for, for brain fog? Well, I think first it's important to, you know, identify the, where the brain fog is coming from or what's the actual cause. Uh, because when I listed these brain symptoms such as brain fog versus memory loss versus vertigo or balance problem, they actually come from different areas of the brain malfunctioning. Okay. So I think understanding the cause is important. So, for example, brain fog, typically the number one thing, thing we think of is actually inflammation. Uh, and the way it works in your brain is that you have these cells in your brain called the glial cells. And these glial cells are like the white blood cells in your brain. They're basically there to like clean up debris and, uh, you know, kind of clean up dead cells in, in your brain. So if you have an injury or inflammation, these glial cells are, serve a function to, to clean up. And what happens is in some conditions where these glial cells get overactivated, such as with gluten sensitivity or autoimmune disease, 
then these glial cells will start to create too much damage and it'll create collateral damage problems. And that's really the brain fog is coming from. So usually when people have brain fog, we're looking at possibility of autoimmune disease, thyroid okay. problems, or food sensitivity. Okay. And that, but those things are typically all linked together anyway. I mean, thyroid disease yeah. is typically linked to gluten sensitivity. Um, typically linked to autoimmune disease as well because most common cause right. of thyroid problems is Hashimoto. So you're right. So a lot of times mm -hmm. fixing these issues are, you know, a, kind of an integrated manner where, you know, you fix one, you fix the other. So by going on a gluten-free diet or a autoimmune paleo diet where you're cutting mm -hmm. out most of the food allergens can benefit not only your thyroid, leaky gut, but also brain fog as well. Mm, okay. So, so basically it just, it gives that the brain a chance to heal, exactly. um, but you're doing, you're doing that in connection with your intestinal tract. Right. And so there's that, that gut brain connection also. Mm -hmm. And, uh, where if you, if your gut is inflamed, then that automatically will trigger these glial cells in your brain to be activated as well. So again, back to the whole thyroid, leaky gut, food sensitivity issue. Most of these people have you know, inflammation in the gut due to leaky brain, uh, leaky gut due to autoimmunity, mm -hmm. and that's going to trigger inflammation in the brain, and that's why they're having the experiencing these brain fog. Now, know that hypothyroidism just by itself can also cause these glial cells to be activated. So if you have low thyroid hormone status, I mean that in itself can cause problem even without leaky gut and without Hashimoto's. So definitely okay. need to work with a qualified healthcare practitioner, have some lab work done, but at the very least. If people would just eat, you know, clean the the way that you yeah. had recommended uh, in your mm -hmm. books and, and everything else, I think most mm -hmm. people would do better in that regard. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, agree with that one. And I've seen it over and over again, and I'm sure you have as well, uh, because everything does. And this is you know, we always go back to food, <laughs> you know, because yeah, your, your food makes up your body. It's what creates your physical body, but. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredibly important piece of, of healing and wellness. Mm -hmm. So um, what other things about brain fog, uh, some things that people can do other than food? Are there, are there any kinds of exercises? or Absolutely. Uh, is, mm -hmm, okay. Yeah, because for some people, they, what they experience as brain fog uh, is actually just low brain endurance. Like, you know, they, they try oh. to read a book and uh, mm -hmm. a few minutes into it, they feel sleepy or, you mm. know, driving, you know, you drive and you get sleepy easily when you drive. These are yeah. symptoms of low brain endurance. That means your neurons, your brain cells are in a low activation state and they're just not getting enough fuel or not, they're not able to metabolize energy properly. And so what's, okay. when some people experience these br low brain endurance symptoms, it could be a result of actually low blood sugar mm. or okay. low blood pressure. So, mm -hmm. for example, if somebody has reactive hypoglycemia because they, you know, this person live a very hectic lifestyle, they skip breakfast, skip meals, eat sugars, yeah, uh -huh. snacks, and what happens mm -hmm. is their, their blood sugar is just on a roller coaster ride. And uh, mm -hmm. when, when they get into this hypoglycemia state, and remember, the primary source of fuel for the brain is glucose and oxygen. So if, okay. if your blood sugar is anything but absolutely optimal in a tight, normal, healthy range, too high or too low, your brain just hates it and it's not able to metabolize energy. So mm -hmm. if, if a person experiences lightheaded, shakiness, irritability, if they don't eat, 
I mean, really the best thing to mm-hmm. do to help with that is to eat every two and a half to three hours some type of protein and fat-based snack to prevent that blood sugar roller coaster. And that right okay. there could be such huge help for people with brain fatigue or brain fog. Okay. And can you give just a couple of examples of foods that you recommend for that um, when you say a protein or fat-based Right. Snack? So, you know, I always tell people like a uh, lettuce wrap, right? So you got some veggie, mm-hmm. but you got mm-hmm. some protein, you got some fat. So the example would be like a piece of lettuce and you put in some couple of strips of chicken or whatever cho- choice of animal, animal meat. And then maybe mm-hmm. you, you know, put some olive oil in there. Or you can put avocado in there and then season it with salt, pepper, however you like to season it. Wrap it into a lettuce wrap. Put a toothpick in it. That way it becomes portable. You can take it with you on the go. Mm -hmm. And even if you just took a bite or two every Uh couple of hours, that will be enough to stabilize your blood sugar instead of like going for four or five hours without eating if you have low mm-hmm. blood sugar tendencies. Okay. And that's, that's really great information. Uh, I think a lot of people when they, th- they're told that, you know, when they have blood sugar issues, that, I mean, I've watched people go run and get orange juice or eat a yeah. uh, hard candy or, or, you know, they think that they need white sugars. Um, right. Can you address can you address that and, and what that actually does? Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, uh, your blood sugar is actually controlled by several hormones, you know, uh, insulin being one, but definitely mm-hmm. cortisol, glucagon. So it's controlled by several organs and several hormones. So and like I said, your brain is so metabolically energy dependent. You know, the brain mm-hmm. weighs three percent of the body weight, but use up 30 percent of the body's energy. So. It is critical to supply energy in the form of glucose and oxygen continuously to it. So if you eat in a way that causes your blood sugar to either be too low or too high, that's going to create a problem with your brain. Now, the mechanism for why people will have hypoglycemia most often is due to what's called reactive hypoglycemia. So when you uh-huh. eat starchy and sugary food, what that does is it causes a rush of insulin into your system to get mm-hmm. all this glucose out of your system. And what that does is it causes the glucose level to drop below the normal physiologic level. And that's what you experience as a reactive hypoglycemia. So people with low blood sugar, that's actually, it's actually caused by eating sugary food, not, mm-hmm. not, not enough sugary food, right? So going for the orange juice for people with diabetes, I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost like that's probably one of the worst thing you can do. I mean, unless you're, you're diabetic and your, your glucose tank to like 30, well, obviously, you need to have some sugar to bring yourself back. But mm-hmm. for most cases, people with reactive hypoglycemia, that's not, you know, due to diabetes, really eating some type of protein and fat-based food with some veggie fiber is probably the best strategy. Okay, great. Um, and then uh, one of the things that comes to mind, too, that I just always have to uh, throw in <laughs> is um, when you are eating these foods, uh, look at the the quality of the food, how the food is farmed makes a huge difference in how your body uh, reacts. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Natural, healthy, organic is always best. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, because, you know, otherwise you're dealing with hormones and pesticides and uh, food chemicals and all kinds of problems that I mean, that's a, another show right there is just even talking about the the effects of food chemicals on the brain, you know, like dyes and, color, you know, food colorings and uh, MSG. And I mean, that's just. Yeah. Starting from whole yeah. food is definitely a starting point. Right. That's a foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. for, for most people, 
if they just do the basic things good and really mm-hmm. well, most people are going to do pretty well. There's, of course, some people that's got some metabolic disease and dysfunction that needs help and needs more care than just, you know, eating a whole food based food. Because certainly there's I have my share of patients who come in already eating whole food based, already organic everything, already on paleo and AIP, but still are struggling. So. But, okay. you know, I think for most people, if you just start with whole food and mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, eat, you know, cut out the, the sugary stuff and try to really maintain your blood sugar level, that in itself is really powerful. We don't have to do anything yes. fancy beyond that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. OK, great points. Um, OK, so back to brain fog. Is there any other suggestions that you might give? Uh, for a listener who is just having a, a hard time with it? Um. Well, this the second second one that I'm going to give out right now is probably just as important as a blood sugar one, if not more mm-hmm. important. And this is okay. about blood flow, circulation. So oh, okay. remember the brain requires oxygen and glucose for fuel. So how do we get oxygen to your brain? Well, you got to have proper blood flow, right? So mm-hmm. the, the blood flow and oxygen is determined by Number one, perfusion, how well you're able to pump blood to your tissue. And number two, your hemoglobin oxygen status, so you can't be anemic. So mm-hmm. what we look for on lab tests is make sure to check for people for, you know, just standard anemia. Of course, there are many different types of anemia, but uh-huh. I'm always often shocked and surprised to have patient come in that has chronic, you know, fibromyalgia or chronic pain, chronic fatigue or autoimmune disease. That's they had it for like 10, 15 years and they've been to yep. five different doctors, three different naturopaths, four different chiropractors, mm-hmm. and nobody's uh-huh. ever bothered to check if you're they're anemic. And I'm the yep. first one to find out that they're anemic and address it. And once we address anemia, they just feel so much better or they're able to recover from other things they have going on. So I can't tell you how important to to, to make sure that is ruled out. Now, the second thing is that the your audience, can people can do themselves, is to see if they have cold hands and cold feet. If you have okay. cold hands and cold feet all the time, whether it's winter mm-hmm. or summer, that is yeah. a sign of poor circulation, right? Because okay. if you can't get blood flow to your fingertips, <laughs> then you're probably not able to get blood flow to your brain because you have to pump okay. against gravity. And the, wow, the yeah. fingertips and your toes are the most distal, farthest away from the heart. So anything that's the farthest mm-hmm. away from the heart, it takes more to get the blood there. And so if your fingers and toes are compromised, then probably your brain's not going to get enough good blood flow there. So that is so, another thing that needs to be addressed. Okay. And what what do you recommend for getting more blood flow to the extremities? Um, well, a lot of times people with low blood, poor blood flow, the, you, what we'll see clinically and this is, again, something people can test themselves, is check their blood pressure. So if you have a blood pressure cuff and you find mm-hmm. that your blood pressure is anything less than, a, than 100 over 70, you probably, mm-hmm. it's just your blood pressure is too low to be healthy. And there's a lot of reasons why people will have low blood pressure. One of the most common reasons is actually due to adrenal fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. If your adrenals fatigue, you're going to experience low blood pressure due to lack of cortisol and lack of aldosterone to actually get the pressure up. And so these people with adrenal fatigue that, that also have low blood pressure, mm-hmm. a simple solution is just to like take some salt in your water. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah, just use organic sea salt. And, and this is really interesting because mm-hmm. I had a friend who she, she's a pediatrician and we're mm-hmm. neighbors and uh, she has, you know, kids, you know, elementary school, high school age. And then one mm-hmm. of her, uh, her ch- child is, uh, was having like dizziness. 
And so went to the she so she's a pediatrician, so took her to the you know pediatric cardiologist. Oh, he's dizzy. Is there anything heart related? And it turned out that mm. this child had low blood pressure, and, and nobody mm. ever asked about adrenals, but I would suspect probably this adrenal issue. And so the yeah. prescription from the cardiologist is salt tablet. Now okay, I would have okay. said, well, heck, why don't you just add more sea salt to the food? I mean, that why do you need a prescription yeah. for salt, right? So sometimes <laughs> yeah, the solution and how much is, that is just cost? <laughs> exactly. You know, the solution sometimes could be really common sense stuff. So for people who who have low blood pressure and you also have cold hands and cold feet and you also have like brain fog and poor brain endurance symptoms where you just can't last very long reading or doing something. I mean, the first thing you can do is just add salt to your water, use organic sea salt, of course. And how much salt would you use? Well, I don't know. Just depends on how how low blood pressure you have. So you have to add enough salt to get the pressure up so that you're close to 120 over 80. And that can have a tremendous impact on the person's well-being and health because you're actually able to get blood to your brain. You know, it's just so simple. Okay. Okay. That's great. That's, that's great. It is really simple. And I just think so many people are so misinformed or just uninformed. You know, they just don't even know. And um, so you were you were talking. Let's go right into uh, uh, let's go into dizziness and vertigo. Let's talk about that for a little bit, since we you started to address that through uh, low blood pressure, right. for instance. So, what are some of the things that could be causing vertigo and dizziness? Well, it, it's interesting because a lot of and the reason I say those things together a lot because that's what I hear from patients, right? So patients will come in and say, "Oh, I have dizziness and vertigo." And when mm-hmm. you really separate it out, those are two different things. Dizziness usually, you know, means, uh, you know, you're lightheaded. You know, you stand up yeah. too quick. You feel like you're going to black out. That's dizziness. Mm-hmm. Vertigo is where you're actually like spinning, like you're drunk, yeah. you know, and you're, you're yeah. spinning in a room. So that's two different kind of problems. Now, if you have dizziness, typically it's related to the oxygenation issue we just talked about. You may have low blood pressure. You may have orthostatic hypotension where you get up too quick. You can't get blood flow to your brain. So mm-hmm. in these people, assessing adrenal function is important. And then also you see salt to bring the pressure up. Now, in people with vertigo, then that gets more tricky because vertigo is necessarily going to be some type of nervous system issue. So vertigo can either be central or peripheral, meaning if it's peripheral, it's going to be like in your ears, right? So in your ears, you have semicircular canals and you have these apparatuses called the vestibular apparatus that actually senses head movement and help you keep you balanced. So -hmm. some people have vertigo because they have some imbalance in those vestibular apparatus in their ear. So like BPPV, benign positional vertigo will be one, an example of vertigo from ear canal issue. But other people have actually central problems of vertigo where it's actually a cerebellum issue. So cerebellum is a part of the brain that deals with balance and coordination. And certain people have actually cerebellar dysfunction causing vertigo. So now the problem is when you go to a medical doctor or a PT Mm -hmm. or anybody who's just practicing conventional model, you have vertigo. Mm they automatically assume it's BPPV, and it's true. Most common cause of vertigo is BPPV due to a ear canal mm-hmm. issue. So they have you do okay. these uh, epilepsy maneuver and, and to, to try to rehab it, or they'll give mm-hmm. you some type of medication to help with the, the vertigo and the nausea. Yeah. And, and you know, that really, will, that helps if it's just coming from the ear. But the problem is a lot of people have the vertigo that's not coming from the ear, and these people need additional help. That's where seeing a... A, a trained chiropractic neurologist or functional neurologist can really help. And at the end of this okay. podcast, I'll, I'll give out some websites where people can look up and see, look for functional okay. neurologists in their own city. 
But I think also another thing for people to understand that when they have vertigo, it's a possibility that it could be an autoimmune mechanism, meaning uh, that okay. a lot of people with gluten sensitivity and or Hashimoto's can have autoimmune attacking the cerebellum. In fact, we know that gluten sensitivity in research has a high degree of correlation for cross-reaction between gluten and cerebellar tissue due to what's called cross-reactivity meaning the mm -hmm. gluten protein sequence looks very similar to cerebellar protein sequence. So what happens when you're sensitive to gluten, you eat gluten, it's going to trigger an mm -hmm. autoimmune attack on the cerebellum. So in these people, oh. eliminating gluten would be really important. And yeah. uh, with Hashimoto, that would be a similar similar mechanism. Wow. Okay. And the elimination of gluten is an extensive <laughs> process that most people don't realize. I mean, it's just in everything from lipsticks to the glue on your paper towel rolls and toilet paper, and it's just all over the place. So, um, okay, well, that that's really great information. Um, and vertigo, I mean, I have, I have to say too, I had a bout with it when I was 27. I It was like about a week of it. I was spinning relentlessly. I had to crawl to the bathroom on the, on the floor because I couldn't I just couldn't stand up oh, it's a and just lay, lay in bed for like a week, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what they prescribed though, were medications. And they also gave me some sort of an antipsychotic or something. I, I think that was to help oh, me sleep. I can't remember. <laughs> it was just, yeah, I, you know, and I was can so you, young. Can you see, and that's what I was going to mention, Meg, is that, you know, you, we can see how sometimes, you know, medicine can go down these rabbit holes where it's really not treating the actual costs. Like we mentioned, yeah. if, if a person has, a vertigo due to cerebellar antibodies due to a gl mm -hmm. gluten cross reaction. What's taking antipsychotic going to do for this person with that type of issue? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's and totally was... mistreated, you know, yeah. and then they continue exactly. to get worse while you're just treating the symptom. Exactly. And this whole bout happened just prior to finally getting to a chiropractor and then to a nutritionist who said, you need to remove gluten dairy, soy, corn, you know, all that stuff out of your diet. And I did. And oh my gosh, a whole new life began. And this is why I sit here today and talk to amazing healers like yourself who are out there helping, really helping people get to the root cause and heal it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yay. Thank you for, for being that person. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, so we've talked then about uh, vertigo and balance problems, and let's talk a little bit about memory loss now. Yeah. So you know, again, with with as a, as being a chiropractic neurologist, I'm always trying to find out. Okay, if you have a specific symptom, what part of the, your anatomy is producing that symptom, right? Because we want to find mm -hmm. out the underlying physiology or the pathway for why that something is happening and not just treat a symptom of it. Because at the end of the day, you can be treating a symptom with either a drug or a supplement. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people take something because they feel like, oh, you know, I have, you know, memory loss. So I'll take ginkgo. Well, ginkgo, yeah. <laughs> right. They don't understand what, okay, where's memory loss coming from and what does ginkgo do? Remember, ginkgo is mainly to support it's an antioxidant, but also ginkgo biloba actually support circulation. So in those people that we mentioned earlier that may have cold hands, cold feet, and you know low blood pressure, ginkgo will be actually the supplement that you want to take to support that pattern, okay. but not necessarily for memory loss. It can help some, but again, we have to think through where memory is coming from. So in your brain, we have different lobes of the brain, and they all are in charge of different function, and specifically the temporal lobe is where the memory is primarily processed. 
and specifically in the hippocampus region of the temporal lobe. And in fact, this is the area of the brain that's the first to degenerate in people with Alzheimer's and dementia. So we know that when you have temporal lobe dysfunction, you're likely to have short-term memory loss, such as, you know, you walk into a room, you forget why you walk in there in the first place, or, you know, you need a list for everything, or you have short, you know, you can't remember people's name very easily. You know, you get introduced and, you know, 30 seconds later, you're asking for the name again. So that, those are really common symptoms for temporal lobe dysfunction. And so what we find is that with temporal lobe, the reason the temporal lobe dys dysfunctions in addition to blood sugar and, and poor blood flow, is actually adrenal dysfunction. So what happens is the adrenal gland where your stress will make cortisol, and cortisol is a hormone that helps with the circadian rhythm, which is your sleep-wake cycle. And it turns out that the temporal lobe is actually the part in your brain that actually regulates that circadian rhythm. And so the temporal lobe will have a lot of receptors for cortisol hormone. And when you're stressed, you'll produce excessive amount of cortisol. And these excessive amount of cortisol will overwhelm the temporal lobe and actually cause the cells in the temporal lobe to actually degenerate and die off. And this is one mechanism for why people would develop Alzheimer's. But definitely in the early stages or in the mild stages, people can experience memory loss. So usually we want to assess people's cortisol level through a a saliva adrenal stress index to measure their cortisol function. And if we see any type of cortisol abnormality, whether in quantity or in the rhythm of cortisol release, in fact, the rhythm problem is more related to temporal lobe, where if you have a quantity issue where you're making too much or too little, that would be more of a hypothalamus and pituitary issue, which is a different part of the brain. So by doing these tests, functional medicine tests, we can actually you know, isolate down to a specific region in the brain and then give you supplements specific to that area. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting how, uh, how detailed and specific everything is that you do, yet how much sense the whole thing makes. You know, it's not like everything falls under this umbrella over here and this is what we're going to do approach that we often see in Western medicine. It's, um, it's, it's definitely a much more holistic approach. And I think yeah. that's what most people are missing. And when they get this kind of help, then the whole world opens up <laughs> in ways that you just never knew. Uh, so yeah, it's really... Well, Meg, the thing is, um, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. You know, I don't do any original research. And because I'm not the smartest guy, I have to uh, take things and make it make sense for me. And mm. so this is kind of the way that I understand it. So this is the way I explain it, explain it to my patients so they understand mm -hmm. it. And I think when you understand it yourself, oh, this is this part of the brain that's not working and this is what I need to do to get it better, then people mm -hmm. will be more likely to do it and they're likely to get better results. Um, mm. And then on that note, I also find that there's a lot of practitioners, you know, people, go, especially in a natural alternative uh, realm, where you know, we're so interested in, you know, fixing the hormones and so interested in, you know, addressing all these exotic pathways with exotic nutrients that mm -hmm. we forget the basics. You know, the basics mm -hmm. is got to get blood flow to your brain and got to get glucose to your brain, you know. So the okay. stuff that we talked about earlier, if you're hypoglycemic, you got to eat. If you have cold hands, mm -hmm. cold feet and low blood pressure, you got to get some salt. I mean, that's kind of like fundamental stuff. But again, yeah. People have those stuff missed all the time. They're not being told to address it. So hopefully 
for view, uh, audience listening, if they have those symptoms, start doing those things. I mean, it can just make a big difference. Okay. Okay, great. Awesome. Um, okay, so now uh, the other thing that I wanted to address today is ADHD. <laughs> That's a big, big subject, isn't it? So yeah. what is it you see in your practice with ADHD? Well, with, with attention deficit, there's definitely a neurological component. Uh, now, in functional neurology, we learned that you know left brain and right brain function is there. They have lateral laterality to it, meaning the left brain does certain things, and then right brain does other things that are a little bit different. Now, in in lower mammals, the left and the right brain function are pretty equal. They they do similar things, but in the human brain. We actually have a big difference. So the left brain, typically people think of as being analytical and the right brain being more artistic, but it goes much, much deeper than that. Uh, the, the left brain is more if you're like the gas pedal of your brain, meaning the left brain makes you want to go do stuff, makes you want to go find mates yeah. and find food and makes you want to like design and build houses. Where Your motivator. The, right, the motivator, exactly. <laughs> yeah. While the right brain's more the gas pedal. So what happens, the right brain's more in charge mm -hmm. of like, you know, think of cavemen when they enter into a new environment and they hear a, a sound that sounds like a beast. And what happens, all of a sudden the cavemen will want to like stop and not go any further and pay attention to the environment to see if there's any danger, right? So the right mm -hmm. brain is more of your attentional brain. Makes you stop and look for danger. So in people with ADHD, what I find a lot is that they will have a right brain weakness. So if your right brain is your attentional brain and it's not firing as well, then people will get attention issues. So I see this a lot with kids with ADHD where they have a right brain weakness. And then you say, well, why would people develop a right brain weakness? Well, trauma mm -hmm. can do it. You know, if you have a lightning strike, that would be one reason yeah. people can have, well, you know, you know a, a right I do. brain issue. Right, <laughs> so that's one way to do it. But, you know, in, in, in people without trauma, like little kids – what we find is that, you know, when they're sedentary and they're playing video games all day and they're you know, listening to these high pitch, you know, uh, video yeah. game sounds, what happens is the, that's really stimulatory for the left brain because the left okay. brain likes high pitch noises, things that are like fast paced. So like these video games that goes, dee, 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 it's just really yeah. stimulatory for the left brain. While the right yeah. brain's more like stuff that you would do like when you're outdoors, when you listen to like Mozart or nature sounds. And what happens is kids these days really are missing that, right? They're all indoors right. and playing video games. So sedentary activity and, and too much TV and electronics definitely is a contributor. But also, mm -hmm. you know, poor diet, sugary snacks, you know, all these issues yes. is a contributor too. So, yeah, absolutely. Colors and additives. So now in adults, if you're finding someone who – you know, as a child, you pay attention just but you don't have any history of ADHD. But then you notice within the past few years, you start to develop it. Then that may be something where you have a right hemisphericity, right brain weakness that's developing over time. Again, sometimes I see, you know, people maybe going through a Ph.D. program or engineers going through a doctorate program. A lot of left brain analytical tasks all day, every day on the computer. And these yes. people can actually develop a left brain dominance, right brain weakness. And they can actually start feel, you know, a little attention deficit, a little bit like, you know, like Rain Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, become so <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of like Asperger's, you know, like Bill Gates type. Mm -hmm. So right. So so then it's strengthening the right brain is basically what they need to do to try to balance the hemispheres. Right. Exactly. So that could be as simple as. And this gets much, much more complicated. But for starters, uh, listeners can can start by doing things that are more 
uh, like left side of the body. So if you want to stimulate the right brain, the right brain controls the left side of the body and the vice versa. So you can actually do like left side of arm alphabet, right? Take your arm, stick it out to the side and just write mm -hmm. big letters with it. And that in itself could be a right brain stimulation exercise. Or some people can stand on the left leg and balance on the left leg. That could be a right brain exercise. Uh, now, that's okay. like a very basic way to say that. But, you know, some mm -hmm. people it, it, that doesn't really do it because everybody's mm -hmm. a little different. So this is where, like I said, a functional neurological example would be helpful. But, for example, for some people, um, you know, like uh, kids who's watching TV all the time, playing video game, my iPad all the time, then the, the treatment mm -hmm. will be to take the iPad away, <laughs> which may result uh, in some screaming and bloody yes. blood curling stream. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, you take the the electronic away and you make them do exercise and outdoor activities, right? Take them out to the park and and climb on the you know on the slide, and that could be simple as that, you know. Or for some other kids, you may have to play nature sounds, you know, the the dolphin sounds and whale sounds. You can buy those nature sound music things, okay. and all rain sounds, you know, those machines. And that yes. could be very helpful as well. So, again, there's different applications for different type of situations. But hopefully I give some examples for people to, to be able to start to identify these things. So how do you tell if you have a left and right brain issue? If you tend to if you have trouble with like linear patterns like words and arithmetics and calculations and it's hard for you to be analytical, then you may have a left brain weakness. If you have more trouble with like reading between the lines, you have attention issues and you're kind of OCD, then you may have more of a right brain issue. So th those are, again, generalities. But in this short podcast, you know, it's probably enough to, for people to kind of start thinking about it and see if they have yep. one side or another. And they can do those simple, you know, left sided arm exercise for the right brain or right sided arm exercise for the left brain. Or they can do... Um, you know, even visual stuff, you know, sometimes I'll shine a light in people's left eye to stimulate the right mm -hmm. brain. But again, everybody's different. Like for you, Meg, like I would never mm -hmm. shine a light in your eye as a therapy because okay. it, in fact, I'm telling you to actually cover it <laughs> Thank up with, you. Pink, with pink glasses, <laughs> right? Remember that? Yes, 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 you do. So, you know, we can't just blanketly say, but if you just wiggle in your left arm to stimulate the right brain, that's pr probably pretty safe unless you have a rotator cuff injury. Okay. All right. And just to clarify too, for listeners that um, one of the things that you recommended for me were uh, rose colored glasses because it slows down the... Uh, the light rays is that right. that's a really good input. one that you brought up because this is another symptom that uh, some people with uh, decreased brain function will experience. What they experience is they, they have sensitivity to bright light and bright sounds, mm -hmm. and uh, usually the the light and sound center is in in the brain stem in an area called the midbrain, and the midbrain is actually the part of the brain that also, among many other things, kind of triggers fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And so, in people who are chronically stressed or they have history of abuse or they have PTSD. Mm -hmm. That can keep that fight or flight response heightened. So you're just okay. constantly stimulated. And what happens mm -hmm. is these people might become sensitive to light and sound and they'll, they'll get, even get migraines from it. Now, other people will uh, have these I lights. See. Other people will have light and sound sensitivity due to chronic inflammation because your midbrain cannot tell the difference between a physical stress or a, an emotional one. So mm -hmm. your body mm -hmm. perceives inflammation in your body the same as a deadline from uh, you know, from your job. So what happens uh, is you have inflammation in your body, then your midbrain will overfire and trigger this fight or flight response. Again, that can cause somebody to be 
light and sound sensitive. And that can even lead to like okay. chronic pain, like fibromyalgia. So one treatment for people with light and sound sensitivity is to buy mm-hmm. like rose color glasses and you can buy them from like Walmart, Target, even Home Depot. They'll have like pink safety glasses for, for work okay. for, for ladies. Uh-huh. And if you right. just wear that, especially in fluorescent light situation or in situation mm. where there's, you know, uh, artificial light, that'll really block out the higher frequency of light, which is your, uh, your blue colors. Okay. So okay. the red color tend to be a slower frequency. And uh, so you want to block out a higher frequency to kind of give your brain a break. So that could be a very simple solution for some people with uh, chronic light and sound sensitivity. Okay, great. Great. All right. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying that one. I appreciate it. Um, okay. Wow. We've talked about so many different things today. This has been awesome. I just got started. Um, I know. I know. We're going to have to do another one. That's just all there is to it because <laughs> we didn't even really get to depression either. Um, actually, can you, can you cover depression really quickly just to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, you know, we, we, you know, in depression really is, um, you know, from a classic model in psychology, they, they see depression as an emotional problem. Now it, it can yeah. it certainly can be. However, again, we always want to look at, okay, where's the anatomical structure where this is coming from. So when you have depression, it's really a depressed function of your cortex, specifically your frontal lobe. So when you have depression, it means that your frontal lobe is not firing. Now, remember, so when we say frontal mm-hmm. lobe's not firing, then what we want to do is, you know, identify things that can help it fire better. Don't ever forget about fuel and, you know, fuel delivery, which is blood sugar and blood pressure, right? We talked about earlier. So in people with depression, those two things should always be looked at. Uh, now, certainly there's also an inflammatory model of depression. Now, from research, we know that depression is actually can be due from inflammation. And that inflammation mm-hmm. can cause glial cell activation, which is the immune cells in your brain to activate, triggering that brain fog and as well as depression. Uh, a lot of time people with depression, uh, you know, in the past, it's been thought to have neurotransmitter deficiency like serotonin and dopamine. Mm-hmm. And we know now that that's usually not the case. But even in people who have serotonin or dopamine problems, we mm-hmm. must realize that even to make those neurotransmitters, the first requisite, prerequisite is actually you have to have proper blood, uh, blood sugar levels and, and oxygen levels. So if your okay. blood sugar is off and you're anemic, you can't even make serotonin. So here are people out there buying 5-HTP and St. John's Wort and taking supplements to help with their depression. But when uh-huh. in fact there's an underlying blood sugar or anemia, that's causing them to not able to make these neurotransmitters. So, and those two seem to be pretty connected to the blood pressure and the anemia issue. I mean, if you think it, about, it can uh, be, it can be, yeah, can be, but I, not I always. see it a lot. I see it a lot, but you know, not everybody with a low blood sugar will have anemia or vice versa. Okay. But mm-hmm. if you have both of them, then that's a double whammy. Okay, all right. So that makes and it even then, worse. Yeah, which I guess is all part of the things that you assess when somebody comes to you. So. Um, that, well, this well has I been really, really feel, Meg, that, that anybody that's getting assessed for chronic conditions like brain fog or fatigue, I think all doctors should be doing it. It, it shouldn't be just yeah, me I doing do it. Too. And certainly, <laughs> I do too. I'm not the only doctor that's doing this, but what I'm saying is a lot of doctors miss this, and I yes. think it should be something that's routinely checked in everyone. And, and, and after this podcast, your listener will be able to check it on themselves to some level. Great. All right. So uh, what... And to that, that end, I mean, what do you suggest that people do if they can't work with you, um, who, a doctor in their area, type of doctor that they might be able to 
to find to help them? Absolutely. So a great resource will be um, the American Chiropractic Neurology Board website, and that's uh, acnb.org. And uh, and that website, there's a physician locator, but you'll be able to find board-certified chiropractic neurologists in your area by plugging in your zip code. So I will start there by finding a a functional neurology doctor local to you because that, you know, a a trained one that knows what they're doing, that Mm -hmm. can also integrate the, the functional medicine side together is really going to be your best bet. So, you know, in my office, I actually created a whole program specific to that. It's called neurometabolic integration because, mm-hmm. you know, when we're saying treating the brain, you know, as we mentioned earlier, it's about blood sugar and oxygenation. Sure, we may mm-hmm. have to do specific neurological rehab, but if you don't feed someone properly and they're eating gluten, I mean, there's just yep. no chance, right? So right. there's certain chiropractic neurologists that does a lot of nutrition, functional medicine work, and there's others that don't do as much. So you want to find one that kind of do both. So okay. that would be a great resource for listeners. And also another resource is uh, my website at uh, askdrkhan.com. And yes. uh, I actually have a lot of videos that are just free for people to access. They right. can actually um, get a, a thyroid video that explains a lot of the stuff that we talked about, but in much more detail. Uh, okay. And that's all free for them as well. And my job is to you know, give information that people can use right away. So even in this thyroid video, um, I actually go through like some of these symptoms, how to identify in yourself and what are some of the things you can do to fix it on your own. And what are some of the lab tests you might need to do if you go seek out mm-hmm. a functional medicine doctor? So this is all listed out for you. So you kind of have okay, a step by step self-help, you know, uh, course kind of. And then, uh, then you can get more help from a doctor if you need to. OK, great. Wow. Thank you so much. You've given so many resources and uh, so much information and so many things for, I think, listeners to just think about and, and start to explore in their own health and wellness. So I appreciate you so much for that. Of course, anybody who does want to work with you, they certainly can. I know people fly in from all over the place to work with you directly. So again, well, I hope ask- I didn't. Uh, I hope I didn't kill off any brain cells with this podcast. <laughs> no, I think you've you certainly stimulated mine. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, stimulate is fine. Just don't want to kill any. We're actually we're developing them. That's that's like the whole goal, right? Right, um, lifting dumbbells. <laughs> exactly. That's what I said when uh yeah I have to just share this with people that I I made a joke with Dr. Khan when he gave me the. Uh, the, the different exercises to do. I said, it's like lifting little dumbbells for my brain, you know? <laughs> so, cause it, it just felt like I finally felt like I had some kind of an answer or some kind of a, um, something that I could actually do to help strengthen my brain rather than just, you know, here, take this drug or, um, yeah, uh, well, we just have to wait and see. <laughs> just, right. Sorry. Wait, wait and see doesn't work for me. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just, just rest and it, it'll, you know, maybe it'll improve. I don't know. Or the, you know, a lot of doctors will say, you know, well, I, you know, this is all you're going to get um, when it comes to brain issues. That's certainly so, not true. And like I said, there's so much yeah. more we can talk about as far as the brain's ability to regenerate, but we'll save it for another day. Yeah, exactly. I definitely want to have you back on for future podcasts. I think uh, thyroid, since that's something that you really focus on, is a really important, important issue. I mean, so many people are, you know, like one of my nieces, she had her thyroid removed at like oh my 26, gosh. 
26. Yeah. I mean, she's so young. Um, so there's all kinds of things that, uh, can, can be done to avoid those kinds of things. Uh, anyway, so that's again, another discussion for another day, but, um, as always, it is such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Peter. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here and, uh, just share. And I, I love to share. So this is, uh, this is such an amazing opportunity and, uh, which we can uh, connect soon. Yes, absolutely. If you already have a chronic illness, persistent symptoms, or you just want to prevent one from developing, please go to my website at meghayworth.com and let's see how I can help you get well soon using food and the power of the mind. I'd love to help you feel better fast. And if we're not a good fit, I have so many resources to for- you to like Dr. Peter Kahn. Your health is your greatest asset. Um, you have the ability to make it better each and every day. Uh, so I encourage you to find someone who has healed the diseases that you have that you have to study them, to work with them, to learn with them, learn from them. Just take your healing into your own hands and do whatever it takes to get yourself well. The body is a self-healing machine assisted to open up to new possibilities by giving it proper nutrition, ways of thinking, and the love that it needs. Thank you for listening to Get Well Soon. If you've not already subscribed to this show, please do so here on iTunes or on SoundCloud, and please leave a review for us. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth. Have a wonderful day of wellness, and thanks again for listening. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes, and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.